Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation Podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q&A session with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students of our Yoga Therapy Foundations program. Our first question is how do you approach clients who aren't doing the practices that you offer them? Time is That's the million dollar question, right? Like how do you get someone to do something that they're not doing? Um, so let's see. So one thing to think about is that people, uh, you know, the capacity, if someone, if someone intends to do something and, um, and can't, so you have to think about it as can't instead of won't, because if they could, they would, <laughs> right? So, so you have to, so you have to start thinking about like habit change. So often you, give them something different, either the amount of times, the way they do it, the thing you want them to do, seeing if it's somehow related to the practice itself. Often it's not, right? They just don't have it, don't have the capacity to like plan to do something and then actually see it through. So then you've got a problem. So you have to decide, you know, I, I think there's multiple layers to it, but I guess the shorter version would be, one is it's totally in your scope to help somebody sort of make a plan. So often it's like you have a client, you're like, hey, here's a thing, here's a practice, do it three times a week, high five. They come back, they're like, I did not do that. You know, you're like, okay, so here's how it works. Like, we have to schedule this. So, you know, tell me about your week, tell me about your life. You know, sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't think about doing it like before dinner, whatever. You know, you come up with a solution. So sometimes that works. And sometimes they come back and like, totally didn't do that again. And then you start thinking to yourself, okay, so this is a person who doesn't do the things they intend to do regularly or doesn't do things they intend to do for themselves. I mean, there's lots of variations on that theme, but you have to think about it as habit change. So there's this, there's this kind of cool book called Tiny Habits. Have you ever seen this book? Uh, it's worth looking at. But the basic thing is um, people don't really, you know, and just so you know, like before I read this book, after just working with people, if you work with enough people, you would come to this conclusion very quickly. It just might not be so clear. Like, okay, people don't, aren't able to make large shifts and you have to not reinforce the thing they're doing. So if you give them, if you tell them to do it again and they fail again, now it's even more likely they'll fail every time they try to do something because that's, that's the neural pathway in their brain. So the strategy is basically make it really small and tie it to something else. So like every time you go to brush your teeth, take two breaths before you brush your teeth. Because what they found when they researched this is that's how people actually work. If you can tie it to an activity and you can make it super small, people can basically do that. And then that's a win. And then the neural pathway changes. So for us, it looks like, okay, how about like when you get to work, um, what I want you to do is to close your eyes and take three breaths through your nose, whatever. And they're like, really, that's it? You're like, yeah, that's it. Come see me in three weeks once you've done that. And they're like, okay, I did that. I can do that, right? And then you sort of like 
um, move from there. And it's okay to tell your client that that's what you're doing. It's like, okay, I see. Would you say you're the kind of person that like, you know, every time you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to start exercising, you don't. And they're like, yeah, totally. That's me. I'm like, I'm going to start running this week. I've been doing that for 14 years. You're like, great. So here's how it works. Here's how the brain works. So we're going to go through this process. And the only reason I'm mentioning that is because you have to have the person signed up for the process they're in. So taking a breath before you get out of your car at work is not going to solve their mental health problems, right? Like it's not enough. So they need to know that, but they also need to know it's a step towards getting them there. But you should not expect them to be able to do it if they can't. And I worked, you know, working with obese people is like my main thing for years. So like, that's my jam. It's like, hi, I'm 300 pounds. I don't want to be 300 pounds. Um, I've started a thousand diets and exercise programs and I have failed at all of them. Can you help me? So it's like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of like my specialty. It's like getting people who, you know, I'm like, oh, it's not your fault. This is how you're wired. You know, let's let's do it from the beginning and give me a couple of years and you'll be fine. You know, that's how I think about it. You know, but it's hard when someone has back pain because they're not in, you know, with an obese person, they're like, that's fine. I've been obese for 20 years, you know, imagining myself 24 months from now being better than I am now is like great. Um, but when you have back pain, it's harder, right? Because like, no, I just want to be out of back pain. So that's tricky. That's tricky. So you can do what I just said. You can also do the tough love thing where just so you know, if you don't do this, you won't get better. Mm. Like this is my, not you won't get better in life, but like these are the things I have to offer. Yeah. And they're all practice-based. I do not have a magic mojo to make your back pain go away it's based on you doing stuff so we can work on your ability to do that first if you want or you can just get your bleep together and actually do this but just so you know coming here every two weeks and talking about your back pain will have zero effect on your back pain right so you can do that too you know sometimes people are like oh right that makes total sense i'm like yeah yeah it does that's why PT didn't work. I'm like, same reason PT didn't work. You didn't do what they said to do. So uh, what did you think would happen? You know? So I have those conversations. Um, try to be nice about it if you're having that conversation. Don't make them feel bad. Just like sort of give them the lay of the land. How do I deal with non-compliance as a yoga therapist? So there's tons of non-compliance. I mean, it is literally the the thing so you've got like a nation full of back pain and a lot of that back pain is because none of the people do what they should do to either prevent back pain or to fix it it's like people just don't they're like i'm too busy to exercise it's like well not using your body isn't actually an option for humans it turns out if you don't want back pain like everyone basically gets back pain who doesn't exercise so you are not different. So I, I have those kinds of, you know, you are not different than everyone else in that way, you know? Um, and sometimes when I'm, and you know, I don't always talk people out of surgery, but sometimes when I am, it's sort of based on that. I'm like, you're gonna get surgery based on what you're telling me. And the likelihood of you being in back pain in three years after your surgery is super high. 
because like you will still have no core strength and you will still you will still have bad posture and you will still be sitting in a desk chair for 17 hours a day and something else will break like so whether you get the surgery or not you really might want to do some yoga stuff right so we can help you and sometimes people take you up on it sometimes they don't so that's not on you but for your mind, it's like, you gotta remember that people have trouble doing things, have trouble doing things. So you shouldn't expect yourself to be able to fix that in a short period of time for them. That would be impossible. It's a process. So either they're process driven or they're not, but I like to at least explain what the process would look like so they can see, like we could do these things that would change your how your brain works a little bit and that'll make it easier for you to make decisions. and and actualize them, yeah. And people who understand this are amazing. Like I've worked, because I worked in New York a long time with like Uber power people and stuff. Like, you know, I got to work with like CEOs and all these like, you know, high level people, high, high level dancers, high level athletes, you know, and they totally get it. You know, they totally get it. They're like, I'm totally gonna meditate 20 minutes a day because that's gonna make me even better at my job. Like, you know, I'll be able to focus more, I'll be able to do more work, I'll be able to whatever the thing is they're trying to do. And uh, I don't know if you ever read, um, what's it called? There's a book on this. I used to teach with this guy, I'm blanking now. But anyway, he was the meditation teacher for um, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls when they were, um, and then that that basketball coach has brought him in everywhere he goes, and he's he's taught all these like you know really successful college teams. But it's interesting, and you know his stories when you hear him talk about working with people, you know, like he said his best student ever was Dennis Rodman, and you know some of you are a lot younger than me, but like Dennis Rodman is like the sort of bad boy of basketball. He only really does one thing: he rebounds. He has no other skills. He's like covered in tattoos and has crazy hair. He's, he's like a wild person, but his kind of ability to focus, you know, like he, he was process driven, you know, in that way. Like he was happy to spend ridiculous amounts of time meditating in order to be really good at this one thing. How can I help people trust themselves to be able to change their habits? It's like they don't have their mind does not have the experience of actualizing things. So mm -hmm. it's not when they, they say, I'm gonna do this thing, it's completely reasonable for their brain to make sure they don't. Like that is literally the programming. And that's what that tiny habit book basically says in a different way, but that's what the research is showing. It's like, so it's not, but, but when you say trust in yourselves, it, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's, if you can show someone that it's not, um, it's not like there's something wrong with them. It, it's, it's like a lifetime of habits that lead to this. And it, it's not like something fundamental to their nature, which is very yoga, right? It's not who you are, it's what your brain does. And your brain is not the totality of who you are, right? So you've got this thing. Same reason like, I mean, for me, like the, that obesity stuff really brought it into focus because it's like, yeah, you're hungrier than a lot of people because of like hormonal imbalance, your metabolism is different. Like all sorts of things are different. So like 
it's not who you fundamentally are. And like, when you tell people that they're like, oh my God, I never, you know, I thought I was a bad person. I'm like, you're not a bad person. You're literally hungrier than 80% of the population. That's what's going on for you. So we have to work with that. They're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Cause when I look at this person, they seem fine not eating all night. I'm like, yeah, but you, you have years of habit, right? Years of like programming. And so to expect yourself just to be able to shut it off without a process is insane. So it's the same. It's like, they don't trust themselves to be able to do it. Like you're saying, because that's been their experience. You, you don't actually have the experience of succeeding, you know? And no matter how much you say it would be great for you, I think this is what you're saying, it doesn't really matter, right? Like the value, I mean, it's a little confusing, I guess, the way you're putting it, because it's like the value, it's like their perceived value, but you have to imagine that it would actually work, right? So if you have someone in chronic pain, maybe this is a better example, not so loaded. Uh, if you have a, if you have a um, if you have a uh, someone in chronic pain that's life experience is being in pain and you say you're going to do this and get you out of pain they might hear it but they don't really believe it like they don't they're perceived value, like they don't they're not really per perceiving that possibility you know so you have to make it much smaller you know and that's what all the researchers are saying you got to shrink it down and in this next segment, Brant discusses motivating people to regularly incorporate yoga into their lives by taking baby steps. Big change. And we live in a culture of big change, like the messaging. It's so bad. Like, it's so bad. Like, like the, the culture in the U.S. is all about massive changes, like all about winning the lottery or like, like going on Reddit and grabbing that stock that's gonna go up by like 80,000% right now. You know what I mean? It's like, this is what's in the news, it's insane. It's like everything is like this magical, like explosive, like, you know, and that's not actually how our minds work. And it's not actually how it works. Like you don't become a real estate mogul by buying 500 properties, which is what the ads, you know, I don't know, I'm old, but like, you remember those late night ads where they'd like, you know, if you have a two in the morning and they'd be like, you could be a real estate mogul and own 50 houses. And it's like, you really want to be like, how do you buy a house? Like, it's the only thing you need to know. Um, but it's like that with everything. It's about that with like that with practice too. It's like, well, if I do yoga, what's going to happen to me? That's such like this amazing experience that's going to be worth it to me. The, the, the buy-in of what is it going to be like for me to practice this 20 minute yoga sequence three times a week? It's like so much effort and so difficult. So like our job is to like first, like maybe do that sequence with someone and give them that experience that it's like not that big a deal. And it actually might be pleasant, you know? And so that's like part of the, you know, when we do that obesity work, it's like this long road of showing someone that they actually like it. And that could take a while, you know? But then they're like, I like this. I'm like, yeah, you like it. Of course you like it. You feel better. It's the reason we all do yoga. You know, it's like, there's a reason like 35 million people in the US are doing yoga every week, you know? It's because they like it. Um, so that's part of it too. It's like, can you, can you somehow like massage that in there and use people's natural like desire to like get immediate gratification, right? 
Can we use practices for the Mano Maya Kosha to help clients shift their state of mind? You can, but I'm going to say it's usually not that. It's actually usually like the way I see it is the mind can perceive all the koshas in different ways and have different experiences. So it's almost like stuck in this mental patterning. And you would think that by going right for the mental patterning, you could change it. I'm going to argue, and you're welcome, totally welcome to disagree with this, that even like CBT, which is like really studied, it doesn't work as well as you think. Like cognitive, cognitive therapies don't work as well as you want them to until the end. They do, but you have to get someone to a certain point. And I think that people need to perceive, it's, it's actually the pranic body often, like a sort of like visceral, uplifting kind of energetic experience is going to be very attractive for the mind, you know? So it's kind of one of the reasons like it's, kind of, I mean, there's other reasons for this, but if I'm like, Hey, you know, if you do this, I'll give you a lollipop, you know, full of sugar, you know, there's a variety of reasons why that would be appealing. But like one of them is because like that, ex you, that experience is, is visceral and, you know, it, it's very attractive. It's not like, hmm, that's a really good idea. And here's all the reasons that doesn't work as well for people. The mind can always deal with stuff that's completely settled in the monomaya kosha. So as you go through the course, I mean, one of the, one of the key points in this koshic theory is that stuff in the Vijnana Maya kosha has to be brought to light in order to be dealt with. And that's why we can't do cognitive thought-based therapies for stuff in the Vijnana Maya Kosha. It doesn't work because the mind literally can't see, the cognitive mind can't see what it's working with. And as soon as you move it, you just go to therapy, you do your thing, you know what I mean? You talk about it, you work it all out in your head and you're done. But it's the process before that that's key. And then that's why you see a lot of people come to yoga therapists, it works both ways, but a lot of people have come to me and they're like, look, I've been in therapy for nine years. I understand all the conditions and everything that led me to this point. And I have these three problems and they are not changing. You got anything for me? Because like, I literally can't talk about it anymore. And I'm not saying that talking wasn't useful. I'm just saying, you know, that's a very common scenario. You're like, yeah, because you've got body stuff. <laughs> you got pranic body stuff. You got Vijnanamaya Kosha stuff underneath. You've got like basically trauma locked or whatever in different places, you know? And just to make this conversation even more confusing. So if you've got someone with like a bunch of trauma and you're having trouble with this habit change, you know, it's like they have their habits and then they have this underlying Vijnanamaya Kosha stuff. So you can go either way with how you work with them. Like ideally you just do the habit change and it works, but sometimes there's stuff that's so big, you know, that nothing's going to change them until they get more towards the root, basically. Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.